Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. of Doomsday Talk Radio. I'm your host, Pastor Harry, here on Blog Talk, org, our band sites, and with me, my co-host, Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, that's good. You know, that's a, you know we do this show. We've been doing it for a while. We're trying to show people the truth. Because this is the only radio broadcast, podcast, any cast, any broadcast, any sermon that I know of on this planet that's teaching the truth of the gospel, that's teaching the truth of Jesus' words from Genesis to Revelation and back again. And the truth of Jesus' words is that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of a living God. He is not one-third of a pagan Hindu trinity God. And as long as people are holding to this lie, they're not, they're not Jesus' true sheep. They have nothing in him. Because Jesus clearly said in the Gospel of John, he said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, what is his voice? His voice is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says Jesus is the Christ, the Son of a living God. So when people follow Trinity... And a little voice tells them, the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart and says, this is false. Jesus isn't God. He's the son of a living God. People actually rebuke the Holy Spirit. They're actually casting out the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. It's madness. And then to keep the lie going and keep the church powerless, Satan has raised up a host of TV evangelists, um, Radio evangelists, podcasts, teachers, everywhere you look, that have the appearance of righteousness, but are Satan's servants who are preaching Trinity and every lie associated with it. Usually, once saved, always saved. Guaranteed heaven by faith alone. The moment you come to Jesus and repent, you're guaranteed heaven. They actually, I made a rhyme up, uh, Lorraine, along many, many years ago in 1997. I made up a rhyme. Come to Jesus, save a sinner's prayer, and you're guaranteed heaven and a rapture in the air. It's very popular. Very popular. Just believe in the Trinity and you're guaranteed heaven. And that lie is even in the Book of Romans. And that's why the Book of Romans is a false book. 
there are some truths in it, but it is a false book. Satan was able to... Excuse me, sorry. Uh, okay, Satan was able to get one forged book in the Bible. We know Romans is false because many of the major tenets in the book of Romans contradicts what Jesus taught. And that's why I tell people, once you realize the book of Romans is not from God, take it very carefully, tear it out of the Bible and burn it to show yourself it's false. Because in the book of Romans chapter 10, somebody who I don't believe was Paul put in a salvation by believing a doctor, a, a, a dogma, saying if you if you believe um, if you believe Jesus died for your sins and he rose and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Well, that's not true. It's not Jesus never taught if you believe two statements, you're guaranteed heaven. He taught we have to follow him. He, so that that's false right there. That's salvation by belief, not by not by faith and walking with God. So it's a lie right there. And the book of Revelation, the three letters to the churches were written, Lorraine, and to our listeners, to shatter all and any false doctrine that were ever taught. If we're ever taught Trinity, well, in Revelation three fifteen, Jesus just shatters the lie of a Trinity. When he says he is the firstborn of God's creation, the true witness of God, he is the first, the first, the first being, the first anything that God created was a son from Himself, Yeshua, Jesus. Then Jesus is the witness of the Big Bang and the creation of the universe. So right there, that statement shatters any and all Trinity beliefs. Then there's another thing where Jesus said to a church of a. Uh, of Sardis, he said, repent and do what I told you to do, or I will erase your name from the book of life. Well, there you go. Your name can be erased from the book of life. So that, so when you teach salvation by faith alone, when you teach you can be saved just by belief, once saved, always saved, eternal security, you're tearing out the book of Revelation chapter 3, and you're putting in a new chapter. And then in Revelation 22, at the end, Jesus has a dire warning. It says, if anyone takes or adds to this book, God will erase their name from the book of life. He says it again. So people want to teach Trinity, once saved, always saved, every lie that goes with it, Santa Claus. Guess what? You're not on the path to heaven. You're on the highway to hell, and you're going to be left behind to go into the tribulation. That's how important it is to get who Jesus is right. You can't okay, change. Can I ask you a question, please? Sure, sure. Um, what does grace have to do with all of this that you're just saying? Um, you know, it's it's not by our works that we're saved. It's by what Jesus did for us on the cross that we're saved. So the question is, well, what then we have to grace? back up a minute. We have to back up and say, what's saved? What is saved? What are we, what does save mean? What are we saved from? That's a good question. What are we saved from? What are we saved from? That's a very good question. What are you saved from? Somebody says I was sick in a quicksand, and, and Jesus pulled me out. Okay, you were saved from quicksand. What are we saved from? That's a good we're question. We're saved from eternal death. We're saved no, from eternal death. No, from that's not what, what we're saved from. 
We're saved from our sins, from our past, which keeps us apart from our sins. Which has to do with the beginning in Genesis when they um, forsook God's commandment to them not to eat of the tree and they ate of the tree and then they blamed each other and stuff. It goes back to then where we're separated and we can have eternal death in our sins. Jesus came to... Well, we're born, um, we're born in sin. We're born with a fallen nature that's against God. We're born with a narcissistic nature that's selfish, that's proud, and blames others. But we have a free will. And when we hear of a true gospel, we can be forgiven for our sins, saved from our sins, and then given a new life following Jesus as the Christ, the Son of a living God. If we're following the Trinity... Well, then we're not saved. We're back in sin. We're following more lies and every lie that goes with it. So that's not going to save you. We're saved from our past, from our sins. To do what? To become a religious sinner, a heretic? No. We're saved from our sins to follow Jesus in spirit and truth. And to follow God in spirit and truth. To keep his word with perseverance and overcome the world. And all of Satan's attempts to stop us. So Trinity isn't following Jesus in spirit and truth. It's following him in falsehood and lies. You're not on the path to heaven. You just, it's like a prostitute crack addict. Uh, Here's Charles Stanley's message or Billy Graham or Franklin Graham or any of these Trinity pastors. And they, quote, repent. So what did they do? They went and now they're struggling not not to do cocaine anymore, be a prostitute. So they went from being a sexual drug-addicted sinner to a heretic, to another kind of sinner. They just switched uniforms instead of being a, a, a crack Okay. But so what, does grace, what does grace have to do with any of this? Grace is God. Grace simply means you can't earn forgiveness of sins. Jesus earned forgiveness of sins, the Son of God, on the cross. But if you say God died on the cross, you're not, you're not following what he said. It's another gospel. It's a lie. Just like here. Here's, here's the, the gospel is summed up in one verse, the crux of the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Okay. Begotten means brought into existence. So God gave his only begotten son, the greatest sacrifice he ever made of his own son for our sins. The church has come along and perverted and corrupted and say, no, Jesus is God. It's like they'll say the three gods drew straws in heaven and the God called the son got the short straw. So he was made man. That's a lie. It's not true. You can't be saved through a lie. Just like Hinduism. The Bible says that's false. You can't be saved by Hinduism. You can't be saved by Buddhism. The Bible says forgiveness of sin is a gift. But when you're forgiven, it's not, it's only, you're only halfway there. Okay, so let's say you lived a life for yourself. You're 40 years old. You rebelled against God. You did what you wanted. You wrecked your life. And you finally repent and you accept the truth. So now God washes away your sins. You're washed clean, and you start a new life in Christ, a new life following Jesus as the Son of God. Now, 
you're forgiven, but you're not, you didn't earn your crown of life yet. So now you have to follow Jesus and earn the crown of life. Churches, perver- Trinity churches have perverted grace as well. And they say that if you repent and are born from born again, you're forgiven, you're saved, and guaranteed heaven. That's a lie. Forgiven is not heaven. It's the first. Now you're given the Holy Spirit and the follow Jesus in spirit and truth. So if you start to go back to these lies, you're just a religious sinner. The crack addict prostitute, she just became a religious sinner. She became a heretic and a false teacher instead of a, a crack addicted prostitute. She may look better outwardly, but inwardly there's the same rebellion. Where's the Holy Spirit in all this mess? He's trying to lead people into the truth, but very few will listen. And that's why there will only be 144,000 believers that they're going to escape the coming of tribulation in the first of two raptures. They're called the Church of Philadelphia in the book of Revelation, the church that kept his word with perseverance. What's it okay, mean, Lorraine? I, I have a question. What's Spirit, mean? You mentioned, you mentioned right. the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to lead us. You said Jesus said that He's sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. What does that mean? Well, He sent us first to lead us into all truth. If you're not led into all, if you're not following the truth, you don't need comfort because the devil will leave you alone. But when you when you accept the truth and follow the truth, you're going to get attacked by Satan. So then the Holy Spirit will comfort you and help you and give you peace. If you're doing what Satan wants, you, you're, you're, he leaves you alone because you're doing what he wants. You're following falsehood. And that's why Satan has raised up a host, a multitude of false teachers and prophets and a multitude of rock stars, Christian rock stars and bands that promote the lie of Jesus' God. When he told clearly he's the son of God. I see people every year at Christmas and Easter, they actually read John 3.16, and they'll say, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And you ask them, what does begotten mean? And they look at you like you're an alien. Well, begotten means created, brought into existence. So if Jesus is brought into existence, how is he God? If, if you read his words... He is not God. He's the Son of God, and that's God's great sacrifice. And he, so, he prayed to his Father. He prayed to his Father. So it's right, he didn't of, pray to himself, right? Why don't he just pray to himself? God. Right. Right. Just pray to himself. It's like the churches may have, they may as well name uh, them Jupiter, Pluto, and Mars. Instead, they just name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the, the church just it really isn't a son of God. God the Son. He's, a, he's three gods. One's named the Son. And the Trinity well, is do, made. Do you think the confusion comes by all authority has been given to us by Jesus um, here on earth to do what he has done and more, he says? Do you think the confusion of the Trinity comes because of that authority transfer? No, the confusion comes when people didn't want a Judaic-based religion in about 150 A.D., and Satan introduced the pagan trinity god, and they jumped all over it. 
There is not confusion. It's they don't want any connection to Judaism. So they created a pagan gospel, a Trinity God, a Sunday worship God, a non-Hebrew name God. That's what they did. It's not confusion. It's hatred. If they wanted to divorce themselves from the Judeo-Christian roots. Because the first church, the first two generations of a church of, um, well, hold on. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be, uh, okay. we'll be right back. Okay. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty all night. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you. Hey, hello, and welcome back to Doomsday Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Harry Hamilton Talk. Stateinsrupture.com and .org are banned sites. And, you know, the Santa Claus is over for this year, but the damage continues. As we said before, every year, maybe one to 5,000 children around the world are going to realize that Santa Claus was a big, fat lie. Their parents, everyone in their life lied to them. They, and it really distorts their whole view of reality. And they grow up and wonder, what is the truth? What is going on? And then parents think in their ignorance that you can lie to your children about Santa, but then they're going to believe you about Jesus. Well, they won't. And now they're caught in like a matrix of lies. But it's just part of what these Trinity churches do to people. And um, But as I was saying, Lorraine, the first church was in Jerusalem. From 34 A.D. to uh, 69 A.D. For 40 years, the first church was in Jerusalem. It was a Judaic-based church. Paul went out and spread a a Judaic-based gospel of one true God who created a son to die for the sins of the world. And then the church was, the majority of Israel didn't want the truth of God, just like the churches don't want the truth of God. So God drove the Jews from it from the Holy Land around the world. They were persecuted greatly, as the prophecy said. And then as the gospel went out, in, now the gospel's in the pagan world, in the Greco-Roman world. And around 150 AD, they started to want to break away from anything of the Jewish religion. And then they accepted this Hindu trinity God, which is totally foreign to the, to, to the God of the Bible. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, became one God in three. The Trinity is based on the Hindu Trinity of Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu. You have one God called the Father, another God called the Son, another God called the Holy Spirit. It's a lie. So the moment you accept that, you're not following Jesus. You're following Satan. And that's why the churches have no power. And then what they did, they said, we don't want the Sabbath day. That's the Jewish day. We want Sunday. We want the pagan day. 
And they didn't want to call. They didn't use the Hebrew name of Jesus, Yeshua, so they called him Iosus. And then Constantine came along, and he had a dream that with the cross, he could have the power to conquer the whole world. And he, when he woke up from his dream or his vision, he knew the cross was this little was this little cult religion that they had tried to persecute and wipe out, and they failed. So Constantine makes the Christian religion the official religion of Rome, and he calls for a great council, the Council of Nicaea. And Constantine was a very slick, godless man. He reminds me a lot of Donald Trump. And he knew the power. Donald Trump is a godless man because he said by his own mouth he does not believe in repentance. And he, he meets with neo-Nazi leaders that hate Jews. So Trump's some kind of white supremacist that believes that some kind of false Christian faith. So anyway, um, so Okay, well, and I, I know that Donald Trump and many other leaders have been called, uh, even Obama, have been called the Antichrist. And, well, they're not uh, the, you know, Antichrist. People, people, people the Antichrist. Trump isn't the Antichrist. Anyway, um, can I ask you a question that has been troubling to me? The Dome of the Rock, the Dome of the Rock is located in Jerusalem, and it's got a gold dome on it. I was always thinking that it was the Jewish temple, and I recently found out that it's um, a Muslim mosque, and I'm, I'm shocked because when people take pictures of Jerusalem, here's this golden you know, covered mosque, and I always thought it was the Jewish temple, um, and then uh, about the wall that they pray at. Um, can you answer some questions about that? Because that's confusing, because I know a second temple was built on that site that was Jewish, and then this Muslim mosque ended up there, and something about a third temple is supposed to be or, uh, built or whatever. Can you talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah, I just wanted to finish up for a second what I was saying. Okay, sorry. forgot even what I was saying. How I got into uh, sorry, sorry, something about uh, Donald Trump and Antichrist. Oh yeah, no, Trump's not the Antichrist. The Antichrist comes. He's not a politician. People hate politicians. The Antichrist comes as a false messiah, as the Christ, as the religion of all, as savior of all religions, faiths, and creeds. And he probably will come in a spaceship, some type of extraterrestrial arrival. And after a little while, at the right time, a reporter will ask him the question, are you Jesus? And he'll say, no, Jesus was just a prophet who got misguided and thought he had to die for the sins of the world he, he'll say, Jesus is now corrected. He's one of my followers. And he'll say, this guy will say he's the Christ, the anointed one of all, of all religions, of all faiths, and of all creeds. So no, Donald Trump, the Antichrist, is not a politician. Trump is just a man trying to uh, put America first and put uh, the white race first because he is a racist. And that's all Trump is. So you have Trump and you have Biden. Biden follows the the Democratic Party, follows the doctrine of the Antichrist, the Illuminati. And you have Trump following the doctrine of some white supremacist thing. So it's just evil versus evil. Just like right now with the Ukraine. You have Putin fighting the Illuminati of Europe. 
you have evil versus evil. That's all we're seeing. Evil versus evil. Not good versus evil. Evil versus evil. And there's many victims along the way. The people of the Ukraine are a victim in this war of evil versus evil. In this war of evil versus evil in America between the two parties, the American people, we're the victim. We're the victim of their evil. We're the victim of uh, using America as a place to make people sick, poison food and water and air and GMOs and glyphosate and everything else. And then the Illuminati of Europe owns the healthcare system. So they make us sick and then they give us medicine to treat the symptoms and they make billions of dollars off our misery. And that's that's whether you vote for Trump or uh, Biden, it makes no difference. The FDA really, Monsanto and the FDA really controls the White House. So it, uh, it's unlikely that one of them is going to sit in this new temple that's going to be built after the mosque is well, destroyed somehow? Well, the mosque, the Dome of the Rock mosque is going to be destroyed in the coming war of Amos. There's going to eventually explode a great war in the Mideast. The enemies of Israel will come at Israel. And the, that would be Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, and Iran and Syria. And it's very possible that what would trigger the war is that the Muslim, some Muslim group would blow up the Dome of the Rock Mosque and say Israel did it to have their temple. That would trigger World War III in 10 minutes. And the Bible says in the Old Testament in many places that somehow Syria is going to launch some type of biochemical weapon at Tel Aviv. And Israel is going to respond by nuking Damascus with a nuclear weapon. And it says the city will be destroyed from fire from heaven, but will flee of the plagues. And it's on that backdrop of global war did the Antichrist will come as the savior of all religions, faiths, and creeds. And he will rebuild the temple in Jerusalem where it can't be rebuilt now because the Dome of the Rock Mosque sits right on the temple site. All Israel has today is the Wailing Wall. They have one wall of the temple where they pray on on a Friday before the Sabbath. So the Antichrist will rebuild the temple. In fact, the building, everything's in place right now. The blocks are already cut. The blueprints are there. The blocks are cut. They have the Ark of the Covenant somewhere. I would say within three weeks, the Antichrist can rebuild the temple and make a picture between Israel and the Muslim world. And then he will begin to... If they have all these building materials, don't they get destroyed when the temple get um, when the shrine there, uh, the Muslim shrine gets destroyed? Isn't that going to destroy everything around it too? No, because we don't know where they have these building blocks. They could be in Switzerland for all we know. They're not oh, they're see. not at the temple. They're 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 in a safe location. To be, maybe they're in Egypt, but they will be brought there. That's part of the Antichrist. That's part of his deception. Why Israel will believe he's the Messiah. He comes, he makes a peace treaty with the Muslim world for seven years. He rebuilds the temple, and Israel has to go through a purification process of seven years to um, because they didn't believe Jesus was Messiah, because they used the nuke, other reasons. So he has to make the Jews look bad in some way because the world hates Jews. So for seven years, Israel is not allowed to enter this new age of mankind 
erected the Antichrist is building. So for about six months, he'll be pr promoting his false religion and initiating people. A glo world global initiate, a Luciferic initiation. And when he starts that, as soon as he starts his ministry, God's going to raise up the 144,000 Israeli young prophets to tell Israel, flee. Because part of his plan is going to relocate all Jews around the world, except America, back to Israel. And people will cheer that. They hate Jews. So it'll be a very popular plan. And America will be a voluntary thing because there's so many Jewish people. Israel can't hold all the Jewish people of the world plus 6 million Jews in America. It's just impossible. So, but the Antichrist will rebuild the temple. And three and a half years into his peace plan, he's going to break it. He's going to invade the temple. He's going to declare himself as God in the temple of God and set up the abomination of desolation. And that'll be some type of cyborg robot like the Terminator that looks identical to him with some type of artificial intelligence. And he's, that will cause his, force Israel to worship him as, as God. And that's when one-third of Israel repents. They realize they've been deceived, and they're going to turn to Jesus as the true Messiah, the Son of God. And he's going to, God will send the angel Michael, Revelation 12, to lead the third remnant of Israel, one-third of Israel, out of Israel into Jordan and the rock mountains of Petra. There's a natural fortress and Israel will be kept safe from God for the second half of this seven-year tribulation. But right now, yeah, the Dome of the Rock Mosque sits in Israel, and it's a conquest mosque, and it's it's going to be destroyed. It may be destroyed to trigger the war, or it may be destroyed during the war. But it will not exist when the war is over. So, well, I'll tell you, it, I know it's blown my mind because, you know, I look at pictures of Jerusalem and I just think, wow, that's the, you know, the temple, but it's not. I'm not, just blown no. away just, just by this news that it's not. I'm like, wow. Well, what the Muslims do, Lorraine, every time they conquer a nation, when they conquered Spain, they destroyed the great cathedral and they built a mosque right on top of the cathedral. They always do that. <laughs> They'll destroy the main religious structure of Christianity or Judaism, and they'll build a conquest mosque in its place. So the Dome of the Rock is a conquest mosque. And wow. they believe that Muhammad ascended into heaven on a white horse from the Dome of the Rock mosque, and that's why they built the dome there. So there's, there's, there's constant fighting and war in Israel over the Dome of the Rock mosque because it... The Muslims want all of Jerusalem, and Israel says, no, it's not your city. So that's that's the source. Of, the Bible says that Jerusalem will become a stumbling block. The Bible code also says that Benjamin Netanyahu will be the final leader of Israel during the tribulation, which is 8 to 12 years away. And yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu just formed this coalition government. He's now the leader of Israel once again exactly as the Bible code says. So we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. And just remember, if you are following this Trinity fake Christian God and those that preach it, you're not on the path to heaven. But sadly, you have chosen to be on the highway to hell. And we'll be right back. 
The Bible tells us in the Bible code and common sense says we are going to win a mega lottery very soon. And we are going to raise up the Church of Philadelphia as a real physical church that we read up in the Bible. And we are going to have a global broadcast of maybe 100,000 people a month. And everyone will get to hear the truth. And hopefully there will be 144,000 people who will leave these fake Trinity godless churches and come out of them and be separate and come to the truth and follow Jesus in spirit and truth, keep his word with perseverance and escape the coming tribulation in the first of two rapture events. And that's what Bible prophecy is really about. Because if you miss, if you miss this flight, if you miss this plane, you're going to have to get on the train and the train's going to stop and they're going to order everyone out. Because the worst slaughter, the worst bloodbath, the worst persecution of Christians imaginable is coming to this world. And the only way out is up. You know, people think they can, some people are taught they can ride out the three and a half years. They're going to buy guns and ammunition and survival food. You won't make it. You will not defeat the Antichrist. Because the Bible clearly says, for 1,260 days, three and a half years, the Antichrist will make war with the saints and overcome them. He's not going to play games with people. There's three people that are barricaded in their home, right, with their guns and whatever. He's going to give them 30 seconds to come out, or he's just going to blow the house up with an incendiary device. And if some come out in flames, they can surrender or it'll, or it'll just blow their legs off. And put it, they'll wake up in a satanic prison with their legs amputated. You, you're not going to win against some, you know, the devil's son. He has no mercy. He's just, he, you know, and he's going to, uh, he's going to purge while he's out there preaching well, his false root. Pastor Harry, it sounds pretty much doomsday because if only 144,000 people out of 7.0 billion people are going then um, the rest are stuck here in this uh, war where the Antichrist is going here. to, they're going to defeat, it, it, all the saints are going to be defeated. That sounds well, pretty hopeless to me. Well, it's not hopeless because let's say 300 million people repent and he's going to turn the world and this false satanic religion against the 300 million and for 1,260 days, they'll be hunted down, arrested, abused beyond words, starved, and beheaded. And the only thing the world will have to drink is the blood of a saint's mixed with wine. So for 1,260 days, it's a time of global martyrdom. And on that day, so well, the world will be counted. What's that? Oh. You said he's going to defeat all the saints, that it's a hopeless war for the saints to fight against the Antichrist. Well, There's some no... will try, but they're not going to, to win. He's, okay, he will... so it sounds like that all the saints are going to die before a rapture. Well, let's say 95% of the Christian world that repents will be killed for their faith, beheaded, in that 1,260 days. And on that day, the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised first. The few that have not been yet killed, that are alive and remain, maybe 5%, will be raptured up 
with them in the, to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with God. So the Antichrist reign of persecution will only last 1,260 days, three and a half years, and then God will begin to pour out, systematically pour out his judgment upon this world. The worst judgments imaginable leading to the final battle of Armageddon when Jesus returns destroy, to destroy the Antichrist and his armies of the east outside of Jerusalem. So it's going to be a martyr, time of great martyrdom. Th say 300 million Christians will repent and they'll make heaven the hardest way possible as a tribulation saint. That's not the way you want to make heaven. The hardest way possible. Because they're not going to win. They're not going to beat him. He's going to overcome the saints. And most people are going to have to face their fears, and they're going to have to die for their faith. That's what Jesus said to the church of Smyrna that's left behind. Smyrna means bitterness. Jesus says, behold, the devil will throw you in prison and persecute you ten times. Be faithful unto death, and you'll receive the crown of life. So 300 million people during the tribulation Let's say Christians will repent and they'll accept the truth and they'll make they'll earn their crown of life through death. It's a time of great martyrdom, of great persecution is coming, of great judgment. It's a time of testing. The majority of the world is going to follow the Antichrist in his religion of sex. Did sex so what's the saint supposed to do? What's the saint supposed to do in these end times? Today? Yeah. What's, what's a, a saint, what's supposed, a saint to supposed to Well, a saint is someone set apart for God. What's a believer supposed to do today? Repent. Leave these dead Trinity churches and every lie that follows and follow Jesus in spirit and truth as the Christ, the Son of a living God. Identify with the Church of Philadelphia in the Bible and seek one or two other believers to have fellowship with. Jesus didn't say... If a hundred people are gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. He said, if two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. And what's it mean to gather in his name? It means to gather in who he is, his identity. So if you're gathering in the Trinity, you're not gathering with Jesus. If you're gathering with Jesus as the Christ, the Son of a living God, he's there in your midst. If you're gathering with Jesus as a prophet, did the Muslims believe? He's not there. If you're gathering Jesus as a master of wisdom, he's not there. But if you gather two or three with Jesus as the Christ, the Son of a living God, he's there. That's why I always do a radio show with a co-host with two or three to guarantee that Jesus is here with us. I never do it. I'm not a solo act, and Jesus never taught a solo act. That's why I always do a show with a co-host or wait for a co-host. Because he said two or three. But wouldn't, so, but, wouldn't, but wouldn't your listeners be part of the two or three? I can't guarantee that one person listening is two or three, is a, is, is a true follower. But I, I know when I have a co-host, we are. We're doing the show. And that's, okay. that's so that's what, what we're doing. So, um, but that's, it's going to be the worst the worst, I, I can't tell you how bad it will be for the world. The world is going to accept the religion that teaches that Lucifer is good God 
and the God of the Bible is the wicked evil one. He's going the Antichrist is gonna blame every problem in the world from disease, earthquakes, famine, war, everything out of the Bible. And he's gonna turn the whole world against the God of the Bible and he's gonna teach the world that when we kill every Christian, every rejector, every uh, terrorist, whatever they want to call them, resistor, when we kill every non-Christian, every Christian, I mean, and burn every Bible, the God of the Bible died and have freedom. So that's what's coming upon the world. A world that's going to follow the devil as their Messiah. And the Antichrist is their Messiah, and the devil is their God. Because they don't want the truth. God's going to send them a delusion. It's exactly what it says. That they'll be followed a delusion and be judged for it. Because no one will have any excuse, will they, Lorraine? When Jesus returns, and people have a 666 tattooed on their forehead, a digital scannable tattoo in their right hand, covered in the blood of the saints, Drunk with the blood of the saints, how are they going to say they wouldn't have followed the Antichrist? See, they can't. There's no excuse. There'll be no excuse for anyone. That's what's coming. So we're trying to teach people how to escape what's coming in the first of two raptures. And Satan has raised up a host of liars and false teachers on television, on the radio, on the Internet to say, oh, no, just follow the Trinity of believe and you're going to be raptured out of here. Well, they're going to be in for the shock of their life where they find themselves left behind and they see the Antichrist as this great uh, Egyptian-looking Messiah on every television screen live in the world. Mm. So great judgment is coming. And we can escape. That's the good news. We can escape. Somebody listening to the show today could say, you know what? This guy, I'm, I, what this guy is saying, Pastor Harry, is what the Holy Spirit's been telling me for five years. That person could repent. They could, they could walk in the spirit and truth of God. They could speak against the lies of these churches. They're going to get persecuted. They're going to get shunned. They're going to be hated, but they'll make it in the first of two raptures. So it's some persecution now. It's some heat now, or it's a blast furnace later, but. You really can't escape persecution if you follow Jesus as the Christ, the Son of a living God. It's impossible. You have to just accept that. It's a it's part of the thing. And Jesus said that. He didn't say, if you follow me, you're going to have rainbows and roses and no problems. He said, my peace I give unto you, but in the world you're going to have tribulations. Be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. He could deliver us, but we're going to go through trials and tribulations. Literal trials sometimes. Falsely accused, falsely charged. And that's what he taught. Remember, Jesus was falsely accused of being a domestic terrorist and betrayed by Judas, one of his own disciples. One of his own disciples betrayed him. Mm -hmm. And with a kiss, and I believe that kiss was also Judas telling uh, Jesus that he's a that he was a closet bisexual or a homosexual. It's a snubber slap across his face because he didn't have to betray him with a kiss. He, none of the other apostles were kissing each other. 
You don't see all 11 of the others lining up to give give Gius a nice big kiss, did you? No. They're all sitting at a table. Gius was the only kisser, and I believe that's what he was doing. It was a smack in his face. Gius was probably a homosexual or a bisexual and Mm -hmm. a lover of money and a thief and a betrayer. Okay, in John, in John, the book of John, in, in uh, the 14th chapter, in uh, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's right. When we follow Jesus as the Christ, the Son of a living God, the Father will not leave us comfortless. He will send the Holy Spirit to help us. That's exactly what he's saying. If you follow a trinity, you're on your own. You don't have and God. What commandments, what commandments is he speaking of? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. To love God, and, to love God, his Father, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There are okay, the two commandments he gave us. To love your love your neighbor as yourself. What does that no. mean exactly? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, everyone cares about their own needs. So to care about your neighbor's needs as well. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to be comforted. Everyone wants to be helped when they're in trouble. So help others when they're in trouble. If you if you don't have money for food for your family and your they'll and then help others that don't have food. Other believers first that don't have money for their family because we're supposed to help the brethren first. We're supposed to help those that believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of a living God, first. The name Church of Philadelphia doesn't mean love everyone. It doesn't mean, it means love of the brethren. So we have to help the brethren first, those that believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of a living God. Because they're the ones that are really going to suffer for their faith, and they're the ones the world and the Christian world doesn't want to help. The false trinity churches, they don't really want to help you if you don't believe in their fake trinity. So, but it's it's the love well, God. What about, what about, what about uh, the commandments written on stones? Don't we have to follow those? Well, the Ten Commandments, the, two, the, the Ten Commandments are ten do-nots. Hold on, we have to take a quick break and we'll be, we'll be right back. Okay. The jolly bastard got me in red. Every year he throws away my wish list. Leaves behind one pathetic lump of coal. 